Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com. Coming up in just 20 minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, yet another mortgage lender is being sued by any of a number of states and the federal government for cheating borrowers. I need to tell you something I always want you to do if you have a mortgage on your home. And later this hour, I got great news for your wallet. Grocery prices being cut again, and you are going to benefit almost anywhere you go. I'm going to tell you what's behind all the price cuts that are making eating in so much more affordable than eating out. Speaking of out, the IRS is outsourcing debt collection. The IRS is entering into contracts with four debt collection companies to collect past due debts to the IRS. And this is not the first time this has ever been tried. In the past, when the IRS tried this, it cost them more money to hire the outside collectors than they collected in tax. So it actually took money away from the Treasury instead of adding to it. But this time, the way the program is structured, I'm very, very worried about scammers impersonating collectors working on behalf of the IRS and stealing money from people who either do or do not owe money to the IRS. I have read deeply into the program, and the IRS, in my opinion has completely failed to structure this program in a way that you would not end up being conned by a con artist. We already have such a problem with people impersonating IRS personnel. Huge numbers of people have unwittingly paid money to con artists, to crooks, pretending to be the IRS. And in the midst of that, It's not like this operates in a vacuum. In the midst of that, I expected the IRS to bulletproof the program with ways that you would be clear that you were dealing with a real collector in the event that there was money you might owe to the IRS. But the IRS, which never calls you and demands money from you, they send letter after letter, is allowing these private debt collectors to call you and harass you all they want. How in the world are you ever supposed to be able to tell the difference, even if you know you owe a debt to the IRS, how are you ever supposed to be able to tell when you're dealing with a legitimate debt collector operating on behalf of the IRS or one impersonating a debt collector 
operating on behalf of the IRS. There's no way you can under the procedures set up. And so what I am recommending is that what I said before the IRS started this lame attempt using the outside collection agencies is you, even if you know you owe a debt to the IRS and you get contacted by a supposed outside bill collector, do not talk to them. Do not talk to them. Because unless and until the IRS designs this program in a way that you would be able to know beyond doubt that you're dealing with a legitimate agency operating with the IRS's blessing, think about what would happen if you get intimidated into paying money to a crook that you think is a legitimate collector, and then the IRS says you still owe all that money, and you say, wait, 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 I paid your collector. And they say, no, no, we have no record of that. That's not our collector. This is a half-baked, poorly thought out, and will be a poorly executed program by the IRS, and unless and until they beef up and enhance the safety and security of it, do not, do not discuss with anyone who calls you on the phone your tax bill that you might owe the IRS, period. Now, the IRS says that you'll know it's a real collector because you'll get a letter from the IRS and you'll get a letter following from the real collection agency. But with the ability for people to send all those bogus letters out that appear they're from the IRS, there's nothing in this new program that provides security for you to know you're dealing with a legit party and whether you owe money or don't owe money, never, 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 not ever engage anyone in conversation who claims to be calling you about a tax debt. No exceptions. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dan. Dan, I don't hear you. We're having... Why are you pointing at me, Kim? I will. I'm pointing at Joel. Oh. We'll figure out what's wrong with our phone lines in a second. So we'll go to Ask Clark while we get that working. Sure, Clark. Rhonda wrote in. She says, if I file for bankruptcy, I want to know if this will affect the ability for my daughter to later get student loan financing through government loans. So that is a good question. If your daughter is standing alone, borrowing under the federal student loan program, she will be able to do so in spite of you filing for bankruptcy. But if she needs money beyond parent plus loan or something like that, that would be affected potentially by you having filed for bankruptcy. All right. And Laura wrote in, I've been paying extra money on my auto loan every month to get rid of the loan early next year. But currently my finance company shows my next payment isn't due until later this summer. If I come on hard times, I would need to skip a single payment or two. Is that going to show up as a late payment? It will not. So one thing with a car loan, you don't want to make prepayments of payments. You don't want to pay ahead. You want to prepay principal on a car loan. 
you get far more benefit from paying additional principal than you do paying a payment in advance. But yes, you would if you've paid multiple payments ahead and they show you credited with those, you don't need to worry about making um, your payments through that time period if they show that you are, in fact, paid up in full. We're going to try our phones one more time, see if Lois is with us. Lois, can you hear me? Lois can't hear me either. Oh, well. So, Joel, let's continue with Ask Clark. All right. Sandy wrote in, and she said, I know you've discussed this before, but what's your advice on prepaid funeral arrangements? I do not like prepaid funerals. And, in fact, I was stopped in a restaurant by two ladies that worked for one of the big funeral home chains that were very upset with me about my objection to prepaying for funerals. And my objections are many. Number one, the arrangements we think we want for when we pass away someday change with so many people so much over a lifetime. What we might want today, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we may wish for an entirely different thing. Second, over the course of a lifetime, we may expect that we're going to live in a particular location our whole life. But then things happen in life, and we might move somewhere else. And there you paid, you prepaid for a funeral. The national chains say, well, don't worry about it. We'll just transfer the money you paid to another location. But the industry has been unstable with bankruptcies of some of the big chains. And as a result, it is a risky thing for you to prepay. In addition to that, there's another thing I don't want you to prepay for, and that's cemetery plots. I know in my family, there are any of a number of plots that were purchased long ago that will never be used because we've scattered as a family geographically around the country. Some family members even live outside the United States. And in addition, when those cemetery plots were purchased, there was almost nobody in America who chose cremation. Today, in many parts of the United States, 70% of people are cremated. A much better thing to do, rather than to do a, any kind of pre-purchase or pre-plan, is instead join a local nonprofit funeral and memorial society. They're located not everywhere in the United States, but most of the United States is covered. You join your local chapter, the one that I'm a member of, I think is $35 one-time fee for a lifetime membership, and some negotiate a price for you for various services. Others have arrangements where you get a discount from list from a funeral home participating funeral homes price list it's done different ways but the most important thing is whatever arrangements you want however you want things done communicate that to your loved ones if you do choose to join a local funeral and memorial society you can find out what's near you by going to funerals 
org. All right, Clark and Kip wrote in, uh, my 11-year-old daughter's phone was recently stolen and a police report was filed. The phone is registered in my wife's name. I'd like to freeze my children's credit, though, ages 11, 9, and 5. Do you know if I can do this as a Kansas resident? Let's see. Yes. More and more uh, states in the country, more than half now, allow child credit freeze. And Kansas has allowed that for only the last several weeks. So you can do it for your kids. It costs $10 per bureau to set one up, which is a very high fee. Kansas, you could have done better by your voters than $10 per bureau. But you can set up a freeze for your kids that you leave in place until they become adults and or they reach a point if they need to apply for college maybe financial aid at that point the credit files would need to be thawed for them to do that all right and bev wrote in says uh one a tip from one premium ice cream lover to another clark have you ever tried briar's gelato it's awesome many flavors to choose from and i think you would love it i am always willing to accept the challenge to try a new flavor of ice cream And I will try that one as well. And hopefully we will get our phones working again. But otherwise, Joel and I will just have a long chat on today's show. I'm okay with that too. It's time for today's Clark Rageous Moment. And there's an important lesson in what I'm about to share with you for any one of us who have a mortgage. Scams. Rip-offs. Outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. When you have a mortgage, you rely on your lender or servicer to keep accurate records. But Aquin, which is one of the nation's big mortgage servicing firms, now stands accused by 21 states and the federal government of doing one thing wrong after another after another According to the actions by the various levels of government, sending out inaccurate statements of balances, failing to properly credit people's payments, messing up handling your tax payments and insurance, and foreclosing illegally on over a thousand borrowers. Now, I have someone I know who faced a foreclosure action. And it was bad paperwork, and they were going to foreclose on her when it was actually someone else living somewhere else, and she came within a whisker of having her home foreclosed on. The problem with inaccurate records at mortgage lenders and servicers has gone back as far as I can remember. And what I need you to know is that you have to keep your own records of your mortgage lender. And it's not just if your lender is Aquin, because these problems with inaccurate balances, improperly failing to account for payments and all the rest, this has been a plague across the mortgage industry. So you can easily go on the web and print out your own, what's known as AM schedule, amortization schedule for your loan. You take out a... 
30-year loan, you can print it out, show every month based on your interest rate what your loan balance should be. When you get either a monthly statement or when you get an annual statement, you can look and see are your payments being properly reflected. Loans are often sold from one lender to another, one servicer to another. In that sale, balances quite often are not properly transferred and not to your favor because it's not at all unusual that a last payment or two made before a loan is transferred is never properly recorded, showing you with a higher balance on your loan than you should have. And that's why that amortization schedule that you print out, these are free to print out on the web. You just do a Google search for amortization schedule. You'll be able to print one out and protect yourself from not necessarily a lender being rogue, lenders just being incompetent. And it's your money if you fail to maintain your own separate record. What you don't know will hurt you. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's Cabbage with a K. K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. You got a question for me? Clark.com slash ask. So the news just gets better and better about feeding your tummy because I told you that last year was the first year in, gosh, I don't even remember if there was a prior year, that the cost of groceries went down on average across the country. You know, every grocery store, no matter what's happening with the economy, no matter what's happening with inflation, always claims, our prices are the lowest. Our prices are going down. We have reduced prices on blah, blah, blah items. This time, the hype is real and true. And there are two factors going on right now. One, there's actual deflation in the cost of any of a number of items that end up on the grocer's shelves. I told you just last week about the cost of beef falling so much for steak and ground beef. But across the supermarket, there's one area after another where prices have dropped significantly. One exception apparently right now is greens for salads. They are in shortage right now, and their prices are moving up. But your overall grocery dollar 
is going further because of what happens before the grocery store buys the food items. And now after they buy the food items is the second thing that's causing prices to go down, and it's the price war that was kicked off by Walmart. Walmart has been a slumbering, lumbering, sleeping giant for years and had become less relevant in the U.S. retail economy. Well, Walmart has woken up, and they are a huge operator. One effect I told you about recently is on stuff you buy at Walmart, getting cheaper, especially if you buy Walmart.com for pickup in a Walmart store. And now the other half of the Walmart store is groceries. And Walmart is very aggressively lowering prices to the point that the second largest supermarket chain, Kroger, says they're being hurt by the price cuts at Walmart, and they're having to cut prices as well, which spreads the hurt more when you have number one and number two both cutting what you pay for things on their shelves It's spreading throughout the supermarket industry. So this is a lousy year to be a grocery store, which means it's a great year to be a consumer buying groceries. And the price spread between eating out and eating at home has gotten significantly larger than historical, that it is much cheaper today to buy groceries and eat at home than it is to eat out. So restaurants at many price points are seeing their traffic soften. So what happens when that happens? Discounting. And there are a number of special deals going on right now with eating out, with a variety of free offers, buy one, get one, freeze, uh, you name it. And we've got some examples of those things at clarkdeals.com and if you subscribe to emails from any of the restaurant chains you're probably noticing that there's a higher volume of special deal offers that they're putting out right now for you so as a share of your take-home dollar the cost of eating and eating out both are dropping Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dan. How are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. We tried to talk a half hour ago, but we were having technical issues, so we've got those fixed, and I want to thank you for your patience. Oh, no problem. I'm a long-time listener and a big fan. I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you, Dan. How can I serve you today? Well, I'm calling you. I was trying to figure out. I, I have two cars, and, and the bulk of the my auto liability insurance it takes up most of my auto insurance fees. So I was trying to figure, is there a way I, if I buy an umbrella policy on my homeowners that I can lower down my liability on the cars and, and you know, cover it with that? But then I was kind of worried. I live in Florida and our insurance companies for the housing down here, they, I worry if they I ever made a claim that they would uh, cancel me or something like that. Just looking for your opinion on that. Well, by the way, That's not just Florida with homeowner's insurance. There's a saying in the homeowner's insurance industry, you use it, you lose it. 
that homeowners insurers do not want you to file any claims at all. And so what I recommend with homeowners insurance is take the highest deductible you can stomach or that your mortgage company will permit you to have because you don't want to make any claims, if at all possible, ever. And when you do make a claim, it should be for something that is a humongous situation, a humongous loss. Now, to the thing you said about the car, if you buy an umbrella policy, and the reason for buying an umbrella policy is because you've developed some meaningful wealth, that you have assets that are what are known as uncovered assets, meaning there's no loan against them, and that you have a lot of equity in your home, you have a lot of money and investments, that's when you really want an umbrella. Is that where you are in your life right now? No, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, um, I was just wondering if, you know, if I'd save that, you know, yearly auto insurance cost by... Sure. Because it's lower price for the umbrella. So the way it works with the umbrella is the company that you would buy the umbrella insurance policy from, normally it would be your existing insurer, they will require that you have a certain level of liability coverage already for your auto or homeowners before they will allow you to place an umbrella liability policy on top of it. So... If you call and you say, could you give me a quote on an umbrella policy, when you get that quote, you can also ask, what is the minimum liability I have to carry on my cars before I'm eligible to have an umbrella? And it may, I mean, it could surprise you. It could be less than what you have right now, but there's even the chance, and gosh, Dan, I hate to say this, they could even make you raise the liability coverage you have before they'll sell you an umbrella. Oh. Because what they're looking for the umbrella to be and what that market's for is it it's like a security blanket over your whole life. And they sell you those expecting that very, very few people will ever need that security blanket, but that it's great to have it if it's there. That's why they're so cheap to buy because they're so seldom ever claimed against. So you'd have to ask that question first. What is the liability minimum I have to have before I can have the umbrella? And if it does work out that you could lower your liability coverage, that would be perfect. But you only know if you ask. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jason. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. You want to talk about uh, something that generally I speak very harshly about, mortgage life insurance. Right, and I, you were actually my first resource when I started uh, researching it. So, uh, but um, Well, anyway, I, I, my fiancé and I have purchased our first home, and we're very excited, and uh, I needed to up my limits for... Uh, life insurance to make sure that everybody was covered. So uh, I started looking into that, and I got some notices emailed to me about uh, mortgage protection life insurance, 
which I had never heard of. And I started researching that on your site and saw how harshly you spoke about it. But then I also read something at the end that said it might be a decent option if you've ever been turned down for life insurance for any reason. Yeah, so mortgage life insurance is a real rip where the premiums are usually somewhere around 10 times what regular term life insurance would be. And the funny thing is you're paying the premiums to insure the bank instead of you. Because if you were to die while a policy is in force, the money goes to the bank, not to your survivors. Right. So that's why my preference is that if you can qualify for a term life policy and you know you need more life insurance, that's always the best option. And you're calling me, I assume, because you've been turned down for a term life policy. That's correct. I've, I was trying to increase. I had a, a small policy in place, and I still have it. And I have some through work. And then my current company, I tried to up my limits, and I went through another exam. And uh, there were some questions that I should have answered differently, I think, in the interview uh, that caused me, I believe, to be turned down for upping my limits. So... Um, that kind of woke me up, and now I'm, I'm continuing to look for, for term life insurance. But when I saw this, I just didn't know if this was an option I should look into a little more than, uh, than your normal listener. It's your last option. So I, gotcha. one of the things I'd try is I'd try Haven Life. You ever heard me talk about Haven? I have not. So Haven, up to, I think, age 64 will issue a policy instantly that instead of you having to wait for a medical exam and all that, they do their own method of deciding if you're insurable, and it is a different protocol than historically used in the insurance business. And Haven Life may, in fact, say you're insurable where another insurer said, no, you weren't. And the great thing, you would know immediately. So you you have to be a uh, you have to have a U.S. driver's license, and you don't use it to replace another policy, and that's pretty much it. Great, I will definitely look into that. Thank and, you. And again, the website is havenlife.com. Now, if you if you get approved for that, you're done. But if they turn you down, too, I would say that uh, with them using their own unique number crunching, they turn you down also. It means maybe if you do need more insurance, you would be an exception to the rule that you buy the crummy stuff from the mortgage company. Well, let's hope that I don't have to go for that. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, if there's something that you said in a screening where you regret being honest with an insurer, don't right. feel bad about that. You did the right thing. Because an insurance company, what they'll do is really something. If you have a, a fairly large policy, when you pass away, they'll look for some reason not to have to pay in some cases, depending on the insurer. And they'll yeah. background, and if there's something that you didn't answer honestly 
they may use that as a way to invalidate a policy and your heirs are left without the money. So it is a case where even if it led to you being turned down, honesty is the right thing when you're applying for insurance. Lois is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lois. How are you today? Well, fine, thank you, Clark. And how are you? Wonderful, thank you. You want to talk about your credit? Yes. Tell me. I wonder if it negatively impacts your credit rating if you cancel credit cards that are issued by department stores. That is a great question. So, store cards, if you have established really solid credit with Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, then you don't need the store cards. And in fact, the store cards can be looked at as a negative. So give me your overall picture, Lois. What do you have credit-wise? We have um, two major credit cards. We don't have any debt. We pay the credit cards off in full every month. Um, But I was lured into some local uh, cards from department stores, and I actually don't use them, and I would really like to cancel them. I think our credit ratings in the low eights we're retired and um, your credit scores in the have, low eights the the bank should be coming to yeah. borrow money from you <laughs> my husband said to tell you he's cheap we have to pay those cards every month no interest well that is great you know the banks refer to you if you have a credit score on the 850 scale at 801 or above you are considered to be golden like just Okay. The, the lowest risk potential borrower out there. And paying okay. your balances in full every month under the proposed new scoring models, that will specifically be an additional benefit to your score because it's okay. never been part of how the scoring works. The people who pay balances in full getting like a booster shot to their credit score, which you should, but if you're already in the 800s, it doesn't matter. So for you, having the store cards is basically irrelevant. It doesn't necessarily help you or hurt you if your score is as solid as you think it is. So I'd say do what you wish. Okay. How many of these store cards do you have? Oh, I have like three. Okay. You know, if it were me, I'd just leave them be. You know, you don't use them, just let them sit there. Well, it's interesting. We had one card that we've had for over 20 years, and I just wasn't using it. And it had a a credit limit of $15,000, and I got a letter from them saying, we canceled your card for lack of use. I had no warning. I would have used it, you know, for something minor just to keep it active. It's not that we need it. It's not that we needed that card, but it was the longest one that we had ever had. Well, but it'll stay in your credit mix for as long as another decade from when they decided to close it. So that's not going to really affect you much either. The most important factor for you is that you pay your bills on time, obviously, and that you use a small amount of your available credit. If you have a score in the 800s, it means you're using only roughly 10% or less of your available credit. So just keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. 
Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. Clarkdeals.com is where you find the real bargains. I'm going to talk about a bargain I just took advantage of in a second. Coming up in a half hour, I want to tell you about a new technology to make your credit card and debit card safer. It's one that may be potentially in your wallet later this year. I'm going to tell you who developed it, how it works, what it does, and also what its potential shortcomings would be. I want to talk right now about a great deal that I just got that you can get as well. And it's one that happens twice a year. And I've taken advantage of it now three times. So today, you can fly most anywhere in the United States on cheap one-way fares. I flew into Florida. And when I came home... Instead of flying home, I rented a one-way car rental. The one-way rental I had was $7.14 a day. I had a um, Toyota RAV4, which was a nice vehicle to drive, unlimited miles, and I was allowed, I didn't need it, but I was allowed to have the $7 a day rate for two weeks if I wanted to. So here's the situation. The Florida tourist market goes from peak season to off season about right now. And car rental companies find themselves at season turnover time with way too many rental cars stationed around Florida. So pretty much universal among car rental companies, they offer one-way deals If you'll rent a car this time of year in Florida and drop it most anywhere up north, the rates start at $5 a day. The highest, I think, out there is about $10. So my car I had for two days. I know I was stupid. I should have just kept driving it. And including all junk fees, because there are so many junk fees when you rent a car, my car was $26.01, so 
a day once all the junk fees were added in. I mean, what a deal. Because you fly into Florida, the car you rent provides your transportation while you're in Florida, and then it's your transportation home from whence you came. So I said twice a year, because again, late fall, on the eve of the tourist season taking off in Florida, it works in reverse. You can rent a car rental up north, and and it's pretty much most anywhere east of the Mississippi River. You can rent a car, take it to Florida, have it for two weeks, typically 5 to $9 a day, dump the car at the airport to fly home, and you only have a one-way air flight. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's great. And so it is a wonderful money-saving opportunity. And what you do is to see who's got the best deal right now. And if I didn't mention most of the companies, this is good through May 31st. So to see who has the best one-way rentals to where you live out of Florida right now, go to something like rentalcars.com as an example and put in that you're picking up at blah, blah, blah airport in Florida and you want to drop it at blah, blah, blah airport, wherever you're from. And then it will show, it'll rentalcars.com will put up a matrix showing for your pickup day and drop-off day what's available from all the different companies. And hopefully there's one of these ultra-cheap one-way rentals for you where you live. And again, I have never had a hiccup doing this, and it's just a great way to save. Lee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lee. Hey, how are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. Great. Well, thanks for taking my call. We sure do appreciate you and all the sage advice that you offer us. Well, you were kind to say that, and we're going to talk about one of the weird Tuesday offers from T-Mobile. Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. Um, For over a year now, I've, uh, I've enjoyed investing just a little extra money with, I can say the company's name, Loyal3, the uh, online investment platform that made the process of investing fun. It was so simple, and it was fee-free. But apparently now all good things come to an end, and Loyal3 is terminating its services very soon. And the company is allowing transfer of investments to another company, I guess I can say it, called Folio First, that's going to offer more investment choices, although they're still limited but it's going to start charging $5 a month. Well, that's $5 for right now. I mean, maybe that sounds like a good deal to some investors, but I'm guessing you have investors out there like me who are just wondering what to do. Should I stick with it? No. Is it time to liquidate <laughs> now? No, I would say no. <laughs> okay. If you, if, no you want to do free sto- like. if you want to do free stock trading, then I would look at going to Robinhood. But there's one problem. I don't believe Robinhood allows automated customer account transfer service. Oh, that you can't transfer to them? No. Well, you know, 
the stock you have with them, it's the T-Mobile stock, is that right? No, I, I really don't have the T-Mobile. Oh, you don't have the T-Mobile. That's no, what our I producer don't. Kim had with them. I I just automatically assumed, because what we've been hearing from are people who had received the free T-Mobile stock, yeah, and that that was really the only holding they had with Loyal 3. And what I have advised in that case is that if you have an existing brokerage account somewhere else, transfer there. If you don't, then um, go ahead and just sell the stock. And if you sell by the third week, uh, second week of May, they'll just yeah. send you the proceeds commission free. In your okay. case, how many stocks do you have in your Loyal 3 account? I think I've got about 15. Okay. And I have around $10,000 invested. But I was hoping to skim the earnings off the principal each year uh, to just to pay for Christmas presents. And you know, how much trading? How much trading do you do over the course of a year? Oh, I, I can just very little. All right. So I have uh, a different suggestion. Okay. If you move your account to Fidelity or Schwab, they okay. are charging now five dollars a trade. And so, okay. if you're doing very few trades in a year. You would have no maintenance fees having an account with either of them. And so if you're doing just a few trades a year, you'd be much better off than you'd be paying the new entity $5 a month. Okay. Now, I already do have a Schwab and a Vanguard and and TIA accounts. Oh, just move it to your Schwab. Just move your stock holdings to Schwab. Okay. Okay. But go ahead and get it out of there, then, is what you're suggesting. Yeah, I mean, why pay $5 a month? Okay. You know, if you're doing frequent trades, then $5 a month could be a deal. Mm-hmm. But if you basically buy and hold, then yes. the $5 a month does nothing for you. And if so if you occasionally pay $5 for a stock trade, that's a better deal. Plus, okay. since you already have a Schwab presence... Right. Moving the stuff into Schwab seems like the easiest solution. Okay. Even if I lose all the individual investments in the individual stocks. Why would you lose them? You just transfer them all. Okay. All right. You just move your portfolio as it sits. In fact, in the Loyal 3 information packet about the transition here, they talk with you through how to move your existing holdings from them to a different record keeper, which in your case would be Schwab. Okay. So you're not going to sell out any of your positions. Okay. You just move them. Well, that's great. And just go to the Loyal 3 briefing. You'll see what I'm talking about. And you can go into a Schwab office with a statement from Loyal 3, tell them what you want to do, you want to move your positions over, and they'll handle it for you after you sign a couple papers It'll be very easy to handle that transition. Kat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kat. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have a couple quick questions for you, and then you can get more background if you need it. All right. How long does, how long does a car loan stay active on my credit reports, and should I keep my current car loan active 
even if I have the savings to pay off the loan now two and a half years early, and just um, one a side note, um, my concern is my husband and I have five credit cards, but um, our mortgage, which we've been paying for 12 years, is a privately funded mortgage from my parents, so I don't get any credit for that on my credit reports. So um, one of the benefits of having the car loan is to diversify you know, my credit in terms of different lines. So what should I do? I, I think if you've got idle cash sitting there earning probably 1% or less, mm-hmm. you have a car loan charging you what percent? 2.99. Which is a great rate. So maybe the best move with your cash is not paying off the car loan. And are you in a position where you're funding pretty well retirement accounts for both of you? Oh, yes, absolutely. So you're doing that. Um, I'm thinking of of the higher priorities with a 3% car loan. You're fully funding Roth IRAs? Um, Yes. Okay. So you're doing a great job with your money. Pay off the car loan. Because the car loan, depending on how you're, uh, who's scoring your credit reports, the payment history with the car loan may stay with you as long as a decade. Oh. But if you have credit cards and nothing else, You'll still do fine with your credit score as long as you pay every one of them on time every month and use very little of your available credit. You won't need to have the diversity of loans. Okay. I mean, I, I have. Yeah, I wouldn't worry at all about having. I know when you see a review of what makes up your credit score, it talks about having a variety of loans. Mm-hmm. So I don't talk about this about myself, but I don't have any borrowed money at all except for having credit cards. And my credit score is fantastic, you know, without okay. any car loans, no right. history of car loans. I haven't had a mortgage in forever. And so it has not mattered that all I have is credit cards. Great. Okay. Because I have a great score, way over 800 now. I want to keep it over 800. You're fine. You're fine. So pay off that car loan and be debt free except for the private mortgage, and uh, and you're good to go. Perfect. Thank you, Clark. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Stephen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Clark. It's nice to finally talk to the. Other native Atlantan. Well, thank you. There, there aren't many people that are native Atlantans because people in Atlanta move from everywhere. They're from everywhere. Uh, my problem is my son is teaching in Tokyo, and uh, his brother is about to join him. And, of course, there's increased tension with North Korea. And I hope the Chinese will intervene to rein in Kim Jong-un. Kim's unstable, and so I was trying to think of a way to prearrange a, a, an exit plan, and I contacted wow. the best medevac insurance company that I um, that I know, and but they don't insure political extractions. So, is there a way to prearrange any kind of a an exit strategy or a flight or a reservation? Um, Gosh, I hear the concern in you as a dad. And, you know, we live in an era where the dangers are who knows where today. And, yes, 
there is always the possibility with a freak show like Kim Jong-un that that he would set off an Armageddon on the Korean Peninsula primarily and you know taking out Seoul and other things and then secondarily maybe taking on Tokyo and other targets in Japan I mean it's possible but his power is based on the threat of using weapons the second he uses them he's done so yes, he is <laughs> so I would tell you that there's so much in life we can't control, and the things that are the real danger are the things we don't expect. So I think that this one is one that that you can't calculate the degree of danger that your sons are in, but I would say that I feel that it's pretty low. My brother... Yes, I think so, too, but... Uh just uh you mean as a precaution how to get them out to be a good boy scout yeah so (laughs) there are so many flights every day out of japan that are short flights to elsewhere in asia that i wouldn't think in terms of getting them all the way back to the united states right that i think getting them to wherever it would be in china or ever or wherever else in asia that would not be as difficult as you would expect because Japan is overwhelmingly a homogeneous population. The number of tourists in Japan compared to other countries is relatively small. And in the event that you felt it necessary for your sons to evacuate, I think it would be a much uh, less difficult process than it might be in many other places they could possibly find themselves in the world. Well, that's very reassuring. Thank so you. I would feel, I would feel okay about the ability to get them out if push came to shove, and maybe not the second you want them out, but quicker than you might fear you'd be able to get them out. The folks at Podcast One want to say thank you for listening to this show. We also would like to ask a small favor of you. It'll take you less than 10 minutes, and if you're one of the first people who does it, we'll even give you something for doing it. We want you to complete a short survey for us because we need the information you give us to help make things better every day. Just go to podcastone.study and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.study. The first 250 people that go and complete the survey will get a $25 gift card to restaurant.com. And there's a chance to win an additional $250 Visa gift card. All of our shows are supported by advertisers and filling out this survey will really help us out. So please go to podcastone.study. And thank you. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is the web address. Clarkdeals.com is where you find the great bargains. And listen to this. MasterCard in order to try to cut down on the massive fraud with credit cards, is testing a system right now they want to roll out before this year's out. That's quick. That when you go to use your credit card, instead of signing it, or as people do everywhere else in the world but the United States, punch in a secret code, you would have it read your thumbprint. 
Now, I've told you just recently that fingerprints, thumbprints are not foolproof, that there's the potential for fraudsters to fool the system. But compared to what we do right now, it would be a giant improvement in security with credit cards. What's fantastic about the MasterCard system is that your card itself reads your thumbprint so that a retailer or restaurateur doesn't have to yet again install new equipment for something that people may or may not adapt to. Almost certainly it would be optional for you to have a card that read your thumbprint. But I would love that, being able to just slap my thumbprint down. I do, um, I'm do. i in two different travel security programs that are read by my fingerprints or by my eye scan. And I'm very comfortable doing it. I know some people, that tweaks them. But what bothers me is how easily criminals are able to duplicate credit cards and then go have a field day charging up as if they're you, and then you've got to deal with the collateral damage afterwards, cleaning it up with your credit card company. And don't even get me started about the debit card thing. What a disaster. The piece of trash, fake Visa and fake MasterCard are the debit card. When a criminal compromises that number, you're fighting to get your own money back in your own checking account. And it makes the debit card even more risky than it's ever been. But with the credit card, I think about how I've had to get new numbers for my cards repeatedly over the last five years for various compromises, the Home Depot one, I had to get a new card number. The Target one, I had to get two new card numbers. And then there was another one recently. I don't even know what happened, but my card was compromised. On the uh, on the on what they call the dark web, where people trade in stolen credit card numbers, there are so many stolen credit card numbers right now that the value that the criminals can get, one criminal buying from another, the value of cards has been driven down to a tiny fraction of what they used to be worth because there are millions and millions and millions of stolen card numbers available to be duplicated and used by a crook. And so the system is not secure. And so what MasterCard's doing creates a level of security that is really smart. I'm looking at an Engadget piece about it, and on the front of the card, it's got the the chip on one side, and then on the other, it has a place where you put your thumb down, and the thumb is red. And I hope that people across the banking industry are doing the best they can to try to come up with more secure ways for us to pay for things that will reduce the amount of hassle and the amount of fraud that's currently taking place. Shelly's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Shelly, 
You're nervous. Hi. Aren't you nervous? Hi, Clark. A little bit. <laughs> and the reason you're nervous is you're worried that somebody might try to defraud you. Yes, sir. Tell me what's going on. Um, we rented a house at the beach in July from a popular website. Oh, go ahead and name them. Um, home away. Okay. Um, and so they wanted a deposit by check for $500, and I sent that. Um, but then I heard you on a syndicated show saying that you, there has been some, um, fraudulent with these websites, um, in the past with writing checks versus paying through the website. Right. And by the way, that's not home away. Isn't the fraudster and VRBO. They're not the fraudster. It's people that use them as a way to advertise properties that have been the fraudsters. And so HomeAway, in order to deal with the fraud problems, came up with a system called HomeAway Payments. And HomeAway Payments is the closest they have to something like um, like how Airbnb does it, where you pay through home away rather than paying the lister of the property directly so that the money is going through home away's system so you sent a check is there something about this list this particular property listing that has you nervous that maybe you're dealing with somebody not on the up and up not really. I just have never paid through check before. I've been on these sites before. I've never had a problem. I just heard you mention something about fraudsters on these websites, and then that kind of made me a little nervous when you said something about writing a check versus paying through the site. And I don't know if you heard this story, but two-plus years ago, two and a half years ago, I guess, I was renting a property through VRBO, and... I ended up being contacted by someone who impersonated the individual owning the property, and they wanted me to send them a wire for the property. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't look right. And it turned out it was, in fact, a bogus individual who was in, I think, in Poland, if I remember right, who had somehow managed to take over the email of the legitimate property owner. Wow. So you sent the check to this individual. How many reviews are there for their property? Everything seems really good. There was never a bad... There's, you know, there are four, four or five stars, usually. And how many people have reviewed it? I don't remember. I'll okay. have to go back and look. All right, so look at that. And the easiest way to ease your mind is, do you have any friends who live in the area where this rental is or are going to be going there over the next couple of months that could run by and just check on it for you and see if there's legitimate property there and all that? Maybe. We'll have to see if friends are going down there for the summer or for spring break. 
Yeah, see, that that's the best thing is with your own eyes, or if you can't have your own eyes, you have a friend scope it out for you. Okay. So even though there are these problems of fraud, fortunately, it is not a common occurrence in terms of listings on VRBO or HomeAway. But I'm always more comfortable when people do the rentals where you pay through the HomeAway platform rather than sending money directly to the property owner. Even if that boosts your cost some, I think it's a better way for you to feel safe and know that you're dealing with somebody on the up and up. And again, this person may be 100% fine. Right. So I don't want you to be totally paranoid and worried and nervous and all that. All right. So you find that friend who's going and you get them to go do the detective work and maybe everything will be absolutely perfect. In fact, not maybe, likely everything will be perfect. Debbie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Debbie. Hi, Clark. How you doing? Great, thank you. Your niece is getting married and is one of those people being creative about what she wants as a wedding gift, isn't she? Uh, yes, she is. What'd she want? She sent, well, she sent us uh, on the invitation uh, a website for a honeymoon fund to the resort. And I went online and checked it out, and it didn't really go into specifics. It just said um, for $50, you can get a luxury upgrade. And I had called the resort, and I still wasn't able to get, you know, a definitive answer of what my money was being used for. So I sent in an email to you guys, just wanting to know if that was the best choice for my money. I would say no. And I know that the wedding registry thing is getting more and more unusual with what people are asking for. But I'd say my safest course of action for you to do for your niece is just give her cash. She's asking for the equivalent of cash, if you think about it. Yes. And so instead of giving it to a third-party resort for who knows how it will be used... Give it to her as her wedding gift, whatever cash you want to give, and then she can use it any way she wishes. Okay. Isn't that simple? Um, oh, well, absolutely. Um, yes, I immediately saw the website, and I was like, hmm, let me send an email to Clark. And well, I'm glad you did, because in my opinion cash is king compared to any kind of gift card or gift registry like this for a resort anything like that cash gets it done brooke is with us on the clark howard show brooke you want to talk 15 years or 30 years right for a mortgage i guess correct for a mortgage i'm uh i'm living in florida and i don't have any deductions so i keep paying all these taxes and I heard you once say maybe you should buy a house, get some tax deductions, have some real estate. So I'm wondering if I should get a 15-year or 30-year or maybe just save a couple more years and pay cash for a house. Well, I love paying cash, except right now 15-year mortgages are so cheap that it's almost like paying cash. 
Okay. Because the interest rates have dropped so much recently that you're looking at being able, with really solid credit, to get a 15-year loan potentially back in the twos. Awesome. So if you can borrow money at at or below 3%, that's Uh so cheap. And right now the spread in interest rate between 15-year loans and 30-year loans is unusually large. Okay. And so it gives an even stronger case for doing a 15-year loan. And if you've saved a substantial amount of money and you're even on a bubble of in a few years, you just write a check for a house, do a a significant down payment, and that will get you uh, qualified a lot easier through underwriting for that 15-year loan. Or if you really want to reach for it, a lot of credit unions, and Florida is a big credit union state, a lot Mm -hmm. of credit unions write 10-year mortgages and they're even cheaper as an interest rate. Good and, idea. And you right. go debt-free in 10 years. Right. Sounds good. So I'd say either the 15 or the 10, and you're good to go. And, and I would not necessarily wait because the interest rates are so favorable again. I'd right. seize the opportunity and go for it. Sounds good. And, and Clark, I want to tell you you're my idol. Oh, well, you're sweet. <laughs> a pleasure talking to you thank you so much have a great day thanks you too bye-bye bye and on this mortgage thing what i should have mentioned to brooke is how important it is to shop around for lenders don't go to just one lender and get one quote the more you shop the better you do steve is with us on the clark howard show hi steve hi how are you great thank you how can i serve you well, my daughter is about to turn 15. She's looking for a summer job and knows it's difficult to get one. So she came to me and, and said that she would like to uh, go on this website that allows you to take surveys and earn points or money or something to that effect, uh, which kind of scares me. She saved up all her Christmas money and allowance and stuff over the years and bought a laptop a couple months ago. And the last thing I want to see is, is her computer get filled with spam or viruses or, or worse, have, have threats to her, you know, whatever, Social Security or, you know, whatever. Bad things can happen on, on sites that might not be uh, particularly safe. All right. Well, you are a good dad to be looking out for your daughter. Which website is it she's thinking of trying to earn? Uh, okay. I can say the website? Yeah, please. It's Swagbucks. Oh, no one's asked me about that in a good while. That is a legitimate site, but if she thinks it's going to be a good replacement for income, for getting a a summer job or something, no way. I mean, you earn very, very, very small amounts of money, and you're capped in what you can earn. So Mm -hmm. it is something you can do where you do the surveys, and you know, for companies that need to develop information on people's expectations and trends and all that it's a very low cost way for them to get that information from surveying people and you get money you can use at amazon or at target i think there are a couple others you can use it at but it's not going to be a lot of money i have not heard from anybody that they spam you a lot But anytime you sign up for something that's an unknown, the best thing to do is a separate email address 
that you use specifically for that thing, like for Swagbucks, if you set up her own separate email address, it would be just for registering with them. It would eliminate her being spammed in her own email inbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and she and she actually suggested that to me. So she's uh, she's been thinking. <laughs> yes, yes. But but and this it, is you are you're a good dad to try to protect her. This one's not a scam, but it is not close to something that would replace income from a job. And like the way she's thinking, but it's not going to get the job done for her. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very this, first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Stephen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.